0: I like it, nice and chilly. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we are this morning, and if you want to make your way there, and let's go before the Lord in prayer, and we'll pick it up there in a little bit. Father, we thank you again for gathering us here today together, Lord, and we ask that you would just again work in our hearts, Lord, Um, speak to us through your word as you're so faithful to do, Lord, and just uh, make it real and alive in our lives, Lord, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, as some of you know, I was supposed to have a surgery for my back that got postponed, so um, the piece of disc that actually broke off is um, uh, broken in there. It actually moved out of my disc, and so they want to wait and see how long it is to um, what happens with the nerves and the rest of the disc there. So that's been kind of on hold, but I'm still going to have uh, Brother Carl come in and... and, um, He wants to do an End Times series for a few weeks, and so we're going to have him do that coming up. So that's still going to come up uh, in Revelation, so um, anyway, that's kind of what's on the agenda for coming up here, but we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, looking at knowledge and love this morning. You didn't go to the baptism, huh? (laughs) You forgot? (laughs) Okay. Well, whatever you want to do, Ethan. Um last time we left off uh, with questions the Corinthian church had for Paul. Uh, Remember, he had written a letter to them earlier. Uh, He had spent 18 months in the city of Corinth, which was a pretty long time for him. He only spent longer in Ephesus. Um, And so um, he was there uh, for a while, and he really was the one that brought the gospel to to the Corinthian church. So he had a very... uh, Deep connection to them in a lot of ways, and because he was off doing the same thing in other cities they had uh, he had written them a letter, and obviously they had communicated somehow to Paul again, written him a letter, asking him questions and we spent a couple of weeks looking at marriage and singleness and again you you know first uh, Corinthians seven has a lot to do with uh, being married and uh, single um, You know, Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 19. I'm getting a blinking light. Oh, there. Okay. Um, Matthew 19. So, you know, there's a few places in the Bible where you can go to look at these things uh, about marriage and about singleness. And we hit one of the bigger sections probably in Scripture. Probably talks about it the most uh, in Scripture there about being single and marriage uh, in one section. Always good to keep those things on your mind to reference back when you need to talk to somebody about that. But today we're going to move on to the next question, and it's really concerning um, this. Uh, the subject is pretty clear, it, it, you know, and if we look at what the subject is here in chapter 8, um, we might look at it and kind of read over this section. If you read through 1 Corinthians before, you might read over and say, well, this is, um, you know, this is, what does this really have to do with me? But it has a lot of application here. In fact, it has some very deep and great um Um, application because it's really the right thing to do in a situation where there's really no clear clear scriptural direction. Uh, You can really take the application in this short little chapter and make applications like, well, the scripture doesn't talk about this, or the scripture doesn't talk about this, or scripture doesn't address this. And uh, it doesn't address uh, playing video games for 12 hours a day or something like that. So, you know, c- it can't be wrong because it doesn't talk about video games or some, you know, whatever. Um, that's kind of a ridiculous question. But, but again, you know, um, there's great learning lessons from, from this section here that we can apply to those things. Now, again, this has to do with food. But again, these this makes broad application for things that we fe- uh, face daily so let's look at verse 1 here it says now concerning things offered uh, to idols we know that we ha- all have knowledge knowledge puffs up but love edifies now i'm going to put the the new living translation up on the screen here to uh, to read the wrong, yeah, to to read it here how it um how it uh, reads in the New Living Translation. Maybe that will help you get a, a better sense for it. It says, Now, regarding your questions about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. You know, I, I just, uh, I like how that reads. And I, and I, this is what I suggest, you know, always suggested. I think it's great. When you read a, a passage of scripture and you're kind of like shaking your head and going, well, I don't really understand what that means. I think it's great to open up another translation of the Bible, or in this case, it's not really a translation. it's It, it's, it, it gives you a sense of what it says. So it's not a word-for-word translation because that can be kind of clumsy the way we read it. Um, and so that's why sometimes you read a passage and it, goes, it doesn't really, what is that really saying here? I'm not, I think I know, but I'm not really sure. It's great to open something like the New Living Translation or something that kind of paraphrases it, that gives it a sense of the meaning, and then that sometimes will just be what you need to help you understand what it is in more of a translation like the New King's, King James. And so I highly recommend that you have uh, some kind of paraphrased edition that you can kind of ref- reference to when you don't maybe quite understand what it says in a more of a literal translation. Um, and I think this is one of those cases where it does that. So there's a question regarding things offered to idols, and so he kind of gives this important principle here. He doesn't address it yet. He'll address it in a little bit specifically, but he gives this overall like, okay, let's look at this subject, and then let's look at this whole thing uh, when we have when we bring things into question that that really there's no the scripture doesn't really clearly talk about um, here, and he, he gives a, a general note here is a. An important christian principle just to extend love rather than be a know-it-all or demand that others feel the way you feel about a particular subject or situation or let's say and i don't know why video games popped in my head but let's say you know you just you you, you video games you think are just a waste of time and, uh, you know, get involved in violence, let's say, or a violent video game, and it detracts from this and does this, and maybe, you know, when you were younger, you played a lot of video games, and it's just, you know, you've seen the, the bad effects and the addiction that takes place in video games, let's say, because you can't stop and you're playing it all the time, and I actually I knew a guy like that, believe it or not, and that, that's all he would do with his free time until he came to know the Lord, um, um Anyway, I don't know why that just came to my, popped in my head, <laughs> but uh, you know, it a, it's a a real example, I guess. But and then you then you you know you come to know the Lord, and then you know you, somebody else is playing a video game, or is playing an app. Oh, what are you doing, man? That's just you know, you know, don't you know where that how terrible that can be? You know, you've been around people like that, or maybe we've been like th- that way ourselves. And, and again, um, the solution isn't to be a know it all or demand others to recognize how you feel about a particular subject. But we need to rise above that and think what's best for everyone. Um, can you imagine if we, in the just in the church, lived um, and made decisions based on what was best for everyone and not just what benefited us or what we th- did, what we thought? Well, yeah, this is how I feel about it, but this will benefit and this will be the most loving in the situation. Can you imagine how that would really change the dynamics in the church, let alone the world? Um, and again, I think he's, he's saying that. You know, you can have knowledge and think you know about this thing and know about that thing, but what does that knowledge really do? Well, it makes your ego bigger. It can do that. Um, but what we really need to do is to show love because that's what really strengthens the church. Again, these are important principles that are overall everything. Now, now again, not when, let me just make this clear. When Scripture says something clearly about something, you know, you, you can't do that, or that's a sin, or that's wrong, or we need to do this, and you need to do that, we're not talking about those situations, right? Those are clearly said in Scripture, clearly given examples, clearly spoken about. So those things aren't up for debate. Scripture reveals it clearly. Uh, it's the things that, you know, again, that that run across that the scripture doesn't address directly like that. And that's what we're talking about here. So he gives an overall principle, and then in verse 2 he does the same thing. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. And again, I'll put the New Living Translation up there, again, because I think it makes it pretty clear. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one who God recognizes. So again, um, we're gonna talk about uh, um, offerings to idol, but these are principles for all things. If you think you know know this and you know the answer to this, you really don't know very much is what he says. And what's the most important is that you love God, and if you do that, then that's the approval uh, that uh, that's the, the, um, the l- approval of showing that you belong to Him. Remember, Jesus talked about that. You, you know, there was much talking about that and showing love and encouraging the disciples to love one another, and even to love others. You know, outside the faith. Um, talking about you know, the, the second greatest commandment, loving God and then loving people the way you want to be loved. Um, and, and again, these are important principles that we have to understand. We have to kind of get through our, our skulls on things, because particularly sometimes there's certain things that go on in life that, that we think are, uh, you know, aren't are good or wrong or even sinful, because that's the way we feel about it. It's not necessarily that way in the Lord's eyes or in that person's eyes. It's just the way it is in our eyes. And we want to apply that to everybody because, and there, there might be some good reasons for that as we'll talk about, but, but the overall principle isn't just to apply what we feel about everything to, to everybody across the board, but to love them. And that's the ultimate, you know, overall arching concept of this whole chapter here, even when we get into the specifics. I I do like this quote um, as we get in here and talk about meats. Uh, The meats issue, uh, while still relevant in Christendom and throughout much of the world today, it is not a burning issue. The issue would be more evident if today we were to think in terms of whether or not Christians should drink alcoholic beverages. The whole discussion, indeed, can be enlarged by application to cover a variety of issues as whether or not a Christian should smoke, watch certain movies, read certain books, indulge in questionable amusements of all sorts. And so I like how that one commentator put It's just that, you know, we're going to talk about uh, eating food here, but really the more relevant question might be in our day and age is substituting that for Alcohol, let's say, or any one of these other th- other things that we'll kind of throw out there and talk about in a little bit. Um, so, again, um, we don't want to think that we know all things. Specifically, you know, we think we have all the answers because we have views on these things and, and our views are right. Uh, that shows how ignorant we really are. That's what Paul says here. But does your answer or your attitude about something not directly spoken in the scripture lead you into looking super spiritual, or does it strengthen another person in the church? Does it show love? That's how we ought to think, is how I look and view a particular thing, and he listed some there, you know, movies or dancing or questionable amusements, you know, Phillips puts it that way. Um, You know, is what I say or how I address that when it comes my way want to make me look super spiritual or am i interested in strengthening the person and the church by what i say or what i don't say does it show love and i think if we step back and say okay i really want to tell this person this or that or that um, then you know we have to if we step back and say for a second okay is what i'm going to say is it going to show love is it going to strengthen the person is it going to strengthen the church Or is it just going to impose how I feel or what I think about a particular subject and, you know, make me a little rung spiritual, more spiritual than everybody, because that's the way I view these things. And usually people think they're more spiritual by the don'ts they do. Did you get that? The don'ts they do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. And uh, again... These things kind of seem backwards, uh, and other things are going to be said. It's kind of the opposite. We think, well, if you know something about it, you're actually, you are smarter, you're more spiritual. But as typical in a lot of things, to, you know, in the Lord's economy, it's it, it's backwards than the natural way we think. And we'll see this here. Let me give you an example. I, I think this is a great example. So uh, when my daughter Anastasia was was young, she would have, well, both of them would actually, but she would have, let's just use her as an example, she would have bad dreams. She would wake up and have a bad dream and she would think there was a monster in the room. Now, she comes to me and say that, well, I have knowledge, right, that there is no monster in her room, right? But that knowledge of there is no monster in the room doesn't do her any good, right? It doesn't do, my knowledge of knowing that, Yes, there's not any monster in that room, doesn't do her any good at that time. And that can be true with the person who offers a way or do or to act. It doesn't really help. You, you, you know these things, they're clear to you, but that doesn't necessarily help, help the person here. Typically what happens, this knowledge inflates you know, uh, the ego, and it doesn't really help the person that's, you know, maybe in a situation or maybe doing something that, you know, they believe is, you know, is true and right or good or uh, they don't have a problem with it or, you know, it's, they're pretty convinced on the subject. It, but doesn't, my knowledge doesn't do her any good. In fact, I'll put another quote up here. I think, um, Christian behavior is founded on love, not knowledge. And the goal of the Christian life is not knowledge, but love. Again, uh, knowledge inflates the ego as he said here, and so that 's important that we understand, and I spend so much time on that because that 's just the, the the overarching principle that he gives as we get into the specifics here um, this is you know uh, you know and again this is the principle of how we deal with almost everything that 's you know out, not really addressed in scripture but here 's the specific corinthian uh, issue in the Corinthian church, and it says verse uh, four Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols. Okay, so obviously they wrote a question about eating food. In this case, it will be meat most likely, uh, because they'll talk about that. But um, things offered to idols. So let me just give you a little background for those of you who may not remember this or aren't aware of it. Um, In pagan cities like Corinth, uh, meat markets were, were common. And typically the meat markets um, were established and received meat from uh, offerings given to pagan temples. Um, Much like uh, they did, um, you know, even in the temple, you could bring an animal to offer it to the Lord. Well, they had their own um, ways of doing things and their own rituals. And they would typically, just like even the Jews did, they would bring their finest animals to their offer to their, to their idols there. And what was customary was that the whoever was offering the idol or the temple would take a portion of the meat. Let's say you brought a, you know, a goat or something like that, you, you know, they would take their portion and what would they would do is they would sell it uh, to the meat market and sell the rest of it. They didn't need it, they could make money off it, so they would sell it. So again, um, you know, you would go into this public meat market, and it might be attached to the temple, it may not. Uh, there was different forms of this. And you would go in and that's where you would buy your meat. It would be probably a very good price and it would be very good quality. So, you know, typically the Corinthians that grew up in that city, especially, you know, certainly the non-Jewish Christians, would have always probably bought their meat at, at this market, regardless where it came from. If the, You know, it came maybe from somebody that sold their animal or it came from a temple. They wouldn't worry about where it came from. They would just worry about buying the food there. And again, um, remember in, in, the, in the Corinthian church, you probably had some Jews or convert uh, Jewish converts, as you did have some, as well as the Gentile believers in there. But the Jews and those that were converted to Judaism before they became Christians, you know... Um, they would, they all of them would follow the kosher laws, right? That we call it kosher laws today. So um, that's the Levitical laws in the Old Testament. So, you know, Jewish people, even to this day, if you're a very Orthodox Jew, um, you know, a Jewish kitchen has to be clean in a certain way, and the meat has to be uh, certified from a, a rabbi, and it's free from ritual contamination in some way. And so, you know, they were very careful to eat things that were kosher. You know, think of um, Daniel, if that helps. Remember, he, he gets into Babylon, and they offer him the finest foods, and and probably in the way we would say it to him. But he realizes they don't, none of them um, would be served in the kosher laws or the Levitical laws. So he said, you know, the only thing we can really have that we know uh, isn't tainted is vegetables they are, and, and water. So can you give us that? And so the Jews would do that. They would stay away from these things, and the Jewish converts that, that now became Christians, they would do that. While the Gentiles, you know, or the Gentile converts didn't consider kosher laws anything to be followed. It's not that big of a deal to us. You know, we've always bought meat here, we always bought meat here. So you can see that the problem here, right? One people have a really strong view on it. The other people, hey, it's no big deal to us. It's just the way we kind of live life around here. And so here's the, the you know, the rub. Now, I, I encourage you not to minimize this in your own mind. You might think, well, this is kind of a stupid thing. And maybe to us in one sense, you know, it just seems like maybe a silly thing goes on. But this is a very real, real things that happen in churches constantly. And it's a, it's a su- subject that causes division and... Uh, All kinds of problems, Uh, you know, and I I, I can just tell you in my years and quite frankly decades, you know, uh, of being a a role in in leadership role at church, uh, you know, this is a big thing that splits a lot of people. Um, I remember, um, remember, uh, uh, pokey, uh, what were those pokey chips? Were they Pokemon chips? Pokemon, Pokemon but were the chips? It was in the eight, nine, early 90s. Was it Pokemon? Pogs, Pogs thank you. Po- Pokemon came later. Pogs, thank you. So uh, the children's ministry... No, I'm not that old. <laughs> Pogs, that's right. So um, I don't know if you remember those little things that used to collect, and I didn't really know much about them myself. But I know the church on on Wednesday night they were doing some kind of Pogs Club because uh, it was kind of a hot thing going around. You trade these little things and you do these little things, and it was a game. And I, I really don't know much about it, but I know it was really big. You know, it was a really big thing that kids did. And so the church decided to just do this little thing for I don't know whatever it was, eight weeks or something like that on Wednesday nights at, at, at church. And I just remember one family you know, left the church because of that. They just couldn't understand how this worldly game could be brought into the church and, and you know, and, and done. They just, they couldn't understand that. And they ended up leaving because of that, um, because they couldn't figure out how you could take this game. And, I, and again, I don't remember much about the game at all, so I'm, I'm going off Foggy memory, and I didn't plan obviously on sharing this, or I would have tuned it up a little bit. But you know, they just couldn't see how you could you could do that. While other people thought, what's wrong? Why are you being so uptight about this simple thing? You know, it brings more kids in from the neighborhood. You look at we've brought other kids in uh, because it's a place they can do that with other kids, and you know, they looked at it that way. And it's a great thing or a fun thing, or it gets the kids interested in. And and things for Sunday and and on and on, right? They have their reasons. They have their reasons. Well, who's right? You know, who's right? But usually, you have some very strong opinions about this, and it does cause a lot of problems. So you could imagine this meat thing. Although we don't really see the big deal in it, you could see how things like that. And if you've been involved in church, you've seen things happen this way. It causes a big problem. So we can't minimize this because it has great application for where we live today, literally. Okay, so that's kind of the history of it. You have the meat, you have it offered. Some people care, some people really don't care. And, and then here's the facts. So he gives, in, in addressing that, now he gives the facts. We know that, here's the facts about the situation, right? We know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is no other God but one. Verse five. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom all are all things, and we for Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all are all things, and though and through and through whom we live. So he says, okay. Here's concerning these this problem with what, what you're eating here and where it's coming from. But here's the facts. We know that an idol, if it's offered in this temple of Zeus, let's say, or in the top temple of, um, I can't think of it, in, in Corinth at that time, but let's just say Zeus for sake of argument. You know, there's no Zeus. We know that there is no Zeus. We know... It, you know, he isn't anything. He's made up in a person's mind or a group of people's mind. And, you know, people decided to worship it because he was this and that. And that's what we were told. And that's what we were raised on. And these stories have been around and they're part of our culture and all this. But we know there's no Zeus making lightning bolts up in Olympus and all this kind of stuff or anything else they worship. We know that, you know, we know that the idols are made of wood or clay or gold or plaster or Plastic or whatever, right? And, you know, if you've been to India at all, you can see them almost in every corner. They worship all kinds of things and they just make that and that's what they worship, right? Still happens today. And we know they're not real and there's nothing in them. We know that there's one God. Everybody can agree with that. We know that Jesus is our Savior. You know, everybody in the Corinthian church can agree on that, right? Everyone, Jew, Gentile, we can all agree that that's nothing. And there's only one God, and all these, us, these things, though, they're called gods and lords in this world, and people identify them as such, we know there's only one one God and one Savior, Jesus, right? The idols are really nothing. And so if meat is offered to something that's nothing, then, you know, it must mean that nothing to eat in these buildings, or... Uh, buy meat in these buildings. And again, it'll seem as we read through here that they could either eat there or buy meat there. Um, And and so, you know, it's nothing. So it's nothing. These idols are just nothing. And we know that. They're not real. They're man's creation. They have no power and they're made with human hands. So just remember that. We can all agree about that. Clearly, everybody would agree. But verse 7, here's the rub. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some with the conscience of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol and their conscience, being weak is defiled. Okay, so even though we know the idols are nothing, there are those who think about where the meat came from. And the person that was offering the the food to this idol was doing so in worshiping this idol and it bugs them and and they think of that meat as just something so wrong and if they're Jewish they're thinking you know this is what the old te- you know this is what the law says and you can look back in leviticus and 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 see this and again they 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 have a real big problem with it and I imagine at least in my mind that You know, a lot of people that had the biggest problems that certainly weren't Jewish people, because I'm sure there's other people that lived there that became Christians. You know, they might have gone and worshiped in that temple. You know, before they came to know the Lord, that's a place maybe they went and offered their sacrifices. That's a place where they had been and, you know, they know the process because they had been involved in that. And now they look at it and go, man, that's what I once was, and I'm over here now. How can I go into that? How can I be a part of that? How can I just even go in there and buy anything knowing what I know and knowing how I feel? I can't do it. I don't have a good conscience. And and we know here, notice at the end of verse 7, they're referred to as being weak, not more spiritual, Now, typically, the don'ts in our Christian circle, you can't do this and you don't do that and don't do that and don't do that, we usually look at as being more spiritual and stronger, if you would, in their walk with the Lord. But Scripture says it in a number of places that actually they're weaker. And the stronger believer who has the ability to go in and buy that because they realize it's nothing, it's no big deal, and they're offering it to nothing, we don't really have a... You know, it, it's, it's nothing. So buying it there is just like buying it any place else. Um, you know, uh, that's the way you feel and they're stronger about it. But as we said, as we read, we don't have the liberty to do certain things. Um, and uh, because we have to think about them, right? Their conscious as being weak. Remember the overall principle is showing love in those areas. Um... I used to work, you know, when I worked in the oil refinery many, many years ago, um, you know, back in the day when you could smoke indoors and all that, and most of those guys, a lot of guys I worked with were Vietnam vets. They had just come back from Vietnam, and almost all of them smoked. And there was an older guy that worked there, um, and even when I was very young, he was, you know, hitting his 60s and getting close to retirement. And, um, you know, he used to be a chain smoker. I mean, smoke, 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 smoke. And something happened, and I, and I wasn't aware of it. But you, I know, you know, all of a sudden, he hated cigarettes. And I imagine, you know, something happened with his health and his heart or something. And he couldn't, the doctor said, if you keep going on smoking, you know, you're not going to make it through retirement or whatever. So he quit smoking. You got to give him credit for that. But every time he would walk into the place where there was somebody was smoking a cigarette, like he used to do, he would just say unpleasant things let 's leave it at that right, and kind of curse and then go like this and then storm out of the out of the room where or the office where where people were smoking and uh, so you can understand that right. He used to sit there, he used to do that, he used to smoke, and now when he you know he he can't stand being around smoke, well, you understand right the lure to get back into it the the, the pressure it was to get out of it, and so now, you know, you, 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 to, to stay out of it, and not to go back to it, you almost have to hate it, right? And, and that's what we're talking about here, right? You know, the people are like, how could you eat such things? Man, you must be immature, you're not spiritual at all. Don't you realize what they do there and what that has been done and how that's been offered? How could you do such, how could you feel okay by it, right? And we've known people that have done that to us in church about certain things. Again, not what's spelled out clearly in Scripture, but on things that aren't really addressed in Scripture. Well, verse 8 tells us this. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we better, nor if we do not eat, we are worse. So I can imagine some of those people asking the question to Paul were saying, That Christian is wrong. I'm right. Idols are nothing. And they're nothing. And I know they're nothing, right, Paul? I know they're nothing. So if I go in there and buy it, they're nothing. It doesn't matter. This guy's got to hang up over pogs or this guy's got to hang up over, you know, uh, this and or doing that or not doing that. But I don't feel that way. And so, you know, I know they're nothing. I know it's nothing. I understand who's true and who's right. And so, you know, right, I can just go do whatever I want. Or the other guy is, how could they do that? How could they call themselves Christians and believers when they're putting that stuff in their bodies, knowing where it came from? I know what happened. I know how the people who offer it, what they're like, because I was a part of it. So what his answer is, you're no more spiritual either way. You're not more spiritual if you don't eat there. You're not more spiritual if you do eat there because you know it's nothing. Either way, you're not more spiritual. And let's put it in, like, in some today's things. You know, uh, again, TV. TVs. You know, is watching TV right? I, I We know we used to have some years ago a person, people that came to the church, that TV was, like, evil. And, uh, you know, you go over, they had some little TV about this big in there, and and they were very quick to point out that, Um, You know only watch a few sports on there and that's it. We never watch any TV shows. We never watch anything else Um, You know, it's just a couple of baseball games or a couple of these games or whatever it is And that's really once in a while. We don't watch TV, you know, making it clear Well, are they more spiritual because they do that? Well in their mind, yes In your mind, maybe no, (laughs) no big deal, right? or going to movies, or doing games, or uh, dancing, um, you know, a lot of groups dancing, uh, we, Ethan just went to the prom, and we said there's going to be some dancing there, and uh, you know, they're going to have a band, and they're going to do some music. Well. Some churches would be like, are you kidding? That's the last place that you're going to go. Or some people in some churches or some church denominations feel that way. Not as many as it used to be, but, you know, dancing is like a complete sin. But I tell Ethan, you know, you know what's right and what's wrong. We didn't have a problem with it, but some people have a big problem with it. Are they more spiritual? Am I less spiritual? Am I more spiritual? Are they less spiritual? Right. Even drinking, I'll I'll, I'll touch on that, not getting drunk, that's definitely clearly talked about, but even drinking, some people have more of a liberty to do that, others that don't. Now, there's some clear restrictions in Scripture, and certain people really shouldn't be involved in it at all, and certain people that have struggled with things shouldn't be involved in it, but other people, if they have something once in a while, you know, people have very strong feelings in that. Or, or going to sport events, or eating this, or not eating that. I, I, I just list a few that, you know, come to mind. Video games. Um, again, you know, you have a hang-up of a lot of these things. We're told here that you're, you're actually weaker, because those things really get to you. We have the liberty. It doesn't make you more spiritual if you don't. It doesn't make you uh, less spiritual if you do. Uh, none of those things uh, are more spiritual either way. But what we have to understand and what we know is see that we're saved by grace and nothing else. We can't get any better. And so the people, if you have a really strong opinion about watching TV or going to movies, or dancing, or this or that, or whatever, sports or or something like that, you know, then you know, we need to understand it's not because you don't do that that you're more spiritual, because it has nothing to do with our salvation. Our, it's saved by grace and nothing else. You can't get any better than that. His love towards us is perfect, but for some, that doesn't seem enough because uh, life isn't like this. You need to say no to this and no to that, and it's always saying no and no and no because it makes you holier and closer to God in some way. So, And we can understand that, right? Because that's the way the world works. That's the way relationship works, right? Uh, So much that we do around us is based on what we do or what we don't do, we work hard, we get paid more, we get a promotion, uh, we do something for somebody lovingly and we expect them to love us back. Um, you know, and so we, we think of those ways. So If I don't do this, it's more honoring to God. If I do do this, you know, it's less honoring to Him. If this and that and all that. And so we kind of think we have to work our way up you know, to get more spiritual. But you know, we're His and His love towards us cannot be affected by the non-essentials. And there's no absolute wrong or right in these things on, on what the Bible is silent about. It's based on what you feel and what the Holy Spirit is convicting you, but but you can't think you're better or worse because you do or don't do something like that, or they're worse because they do or don't do something like that. And then you kind of divide into your corners. Uh, you know, we... You know, not any big surprise, but you know, in the church there's been people that think Christmas is like uh, the great sin. And anything to do with Christmas is strict, is idolatry. Jesus wasn't born on Christmas. It comes from a pagan holiday and everything around that is just nothing to do with Jesus. And it's all wrong. It's all bad. And everything is just, you know, you're half an idol worshiper if you do that. Some people love it, think it's great. They enjoy it. They're celebrating the birth of Jesus. Their heart is, this is a great and joyous time. And, and so who's right in that? Well, again, the people that feel like it's wrong will try to tell you that you're less spiritual because you are doing it. And, and so they want to shame you into saying, well, you should feel the way I feel about this. And the reality of it is, you're not more spiritual because you do, you're not less spiritual because you don't, or vice versa. It, it doesn't matter. You know, there's no absolute wrong or right of these things. We need to be true to what we know and our conscience is telling us, and we don't need to Im- impose what we feel about something on somebody else. And if we have the freedom to do it, remember going back to our principles, we, we do it, or as we'll see here, we don't do it out of love and respect for the person that has a big problem about it. So maybe we don't get involved with this, or we don't do that in front of them, or we make sure that you know, we, we, we don't spread our liberty around to offend them. We have to think of love. And that's what he says here in verse 9. But be aware, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. So what he's saying clearly again, what we need is more love than knowledge. You know, you guys are worried about knowledge in the Corinthian church, right? What's right or wrong. But what's really important is loving each other. Not everyone knows it's okay. Not everyone's got that same feel and opinion about it. So what do you default on? Love. Not demanding your right and your opinion, but you default on love. On whichever side you fall on. But particularly for those that have the freedom to do things and they don't feel convicted about it. And you're like, well, if you have a hang-up about it, that's on you. I don't. So, I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. No. You got to show love. You got to think about them. They're weaker. They struggle in that. They see you eating that or in that place buying that. They're gonna have a problem. Listen, if I go to Knob Hill and pick up a 36 pack of Budweiser or something like that and I'm in line and Uh, here's this guy that, you know, struggled with alcohol his whole life and, uh, you know, or has problems in that area or similar areas and sees me doing it, how are they going to feel? Well, they're going to feel like, well, pastor drinks? The pastor's buying a 36, I remember buying 32, 36 packs on a Saturday or whatever, right? But he's doing it. Maybe it's okay. I have to think about that. I have to think, well, I have the liberty to do that But how are people who see me, how is it going to affect them? And so I can't just, well, I can do it because it's not a hang up for me, but I can't be that. way. I can't have that attitude. I have to think, well, what if somebody sees me doing that that's struggling and it crushes them? I have to consider that. I have to think about that. And so do we. And he, he goes on. Uh, let me give you this quote because I think it's pretty good. You can imagine uh, for the free Corinthian Christians with superior knowledge saying, but we're right. And in this case, being right is important, but it is not more important than showing love to the family of God. And I think that's the key. And he says in verse 10, for if anyone uh, you sees uh, have knowledge eating at an idol's temple... Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idol? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? And again, back to my illustration. I'm there, I'm in the store, I'm buying that. And man, they see that and then now, well, I guess it's okay. You know, I thought being, doing that was, was wrong and it wasn't good. And that's true for them. It was wrong. It led him down all sorts of paths that caused all sorts of problems in his life. And, 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 and you know, it, it's not good for them. But he sees me doing it. And so now he thinks, okay, well, I guess it is okay. And he goes back into the deep end again. You know, he's not right off, but starts a little bit, starts a little bit and goes. And you can see where that, that leads. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's back into this, this slop hole again. And he says, so I'm going to allow my ability to do that, crush that weaker brother who Christ died? No. We have to be mature. We have to think about it. You know, he doesn't have the liberty to do that. Or the attitude, you know, too bad, you're just legalist, you're all wrapped up in that, you just need to get over it. We need to think about others. Think about our actions affect the body. Uh, Again. We we need to think how those things again. Knowledge is not to be despised, but without love, it means very little, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Christians had their you know who abuse their liberty might have thought it a small matter, affecting the weaker brethren, but they didn't understand they're offending Jesus Christ when they do that, because verse twelve tells us. But when you say thus, sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. So if the person seeing you does this and doesn't feel right about it, and, you know, this caused them to happen, or all of a sudden, you know, you know you're eating at your house and you have some kind of lunch after church and they know where you got the meat from, and now they're stuck in this quandary because you don't have a problem with it. Ah, oh, just eat it. Who cares? You just, you know, that, those things are nothing. It doesn't matter. Come on, man, eat. But it's bugging them, right? Their conscience is, is bothering them. Every bite they take, is just really like tearing them up inside. And, and again, you know, the verse states that you know if you encourage them to do something and then they just feel awful and they condemned, then you shouldn't do it. It's wrong. You know, you shouldn't influence them in something that they have a strong conviction about and that they feel, um, you, you know, wrong about. Oh, come on, just get over it. It'll be okay. It's no big deal. We're, we're told we're stumbling that person and it is a sin. You are sinning. You are sinning. And now, now, again, let me make this clear because I think this is really important before we finish up here. All of us have either said it or have had it said to us. And they'll come up to you and they'll say, or you'll say to them, man, what you're doing uh, let's go back to our our illustration there. So I'm in the store and I'm buying, let's say a bottle of wine now. Let's not get to the 36 pack because that's in excess for sure, right? <laughs> let's say I'm bottling, buying a little small little thing of wine or something, right? You, you see me there and you see me buying it. I have to think about the guy that, right? Is struggling with that, he sees me buying that He's having a problem, and now he's all of a sudden internally like, oh, man, he's buying it, but I know, it, I, just, I know what it did to me, but he's okay. Should I be okay? Okay, we have to think about that person. But let's say there's somebody else in the store, and they come up to me as I'm walking out to the parking lot, and they say, hey, Pastor Dylan, what you're doing is causing me to stumble. And we've said that maybe, or you've said that to somebody. But let me make this very clear. That is not what this verse states. That's not what it says. People like to do that all the time. They like to come up, and maybe you've done it and certainly had it done to you. Oh, what you're doing is causing me to stumble. No, the guy in the store that saw me doing it, that's struggling with whether I should do it or shut, do it, that's the person that is and trying to internalize this and and figure it out and well he's doing it but I shouldn't do it maybe I should do it he's doing it he can do it why can't I do it and you know all that, that's a person the person who's meeting me up in the parking lot just doesn't like it thinks that alcohol is wrong and in every case and you shouldn't have it no matter what shouldn't be within 100 miles of christian and and says to me you causing me to stumble when the reality of it is I'm not causing them to stumble. They just don't like the idea of it. They disagree with it. They think it's wrong, and they're telling me that it's causing them to stumble when actually it's just something they feel that I shouldn't do, and so how they share that with me is saying that I'm causing them to stumble when the reality of it's just causing their legalism to kick in. In fact, I I think David Guzik says it the best. Uh, You are not stumbled because you are tempted to sin through uh, through their actions. Your legalism is being offended. Out of love, I will never act in a way that might tempt you to sin, but I don't care at all about offending your legalism. In fact, I'm happy to do it. I like the way he says about that. Some people, oh, you're, you're you know, you're causing me to stumble or this or that. But the reality of it is, that's their whole legalism. That's what they feel is right or wrong, and they want everybody to toe the same line and feel how they feel about again these things that aren't clearly described in Scripture. And they've already made their opinions and rendered their opinions about it based on how they grew up, what the church has to say, how they feel about things, whatever it might be. And then they tell you that you're stumbling them, but what you're really doing is offending their legalism, and they want you to, to feel the way they feel about any particular thing. And the reality is, those people, you're not causing them to stumble. You're just offending their legalism, and that's not important. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about is the person that's in the store thinking, oh man, should I do it? Should I not do it? And typically those people don't come up to you and tell you that they're, they're being <laughs> offended by it or they're causing them to stumble. It's just happening internally and they're, you know, they're wrestling with all this. And, and you know, you caught them out of the corner of your eye there and you know their story and you know something about them or you know that they could possibly be in there. That's who you need to think about. And he finishes up with this in verse 13. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So, the solution for all these things uh, that come our way again, we don't need to think about what we do or don't do, um, you know, but how it will affect others. That's the mature Christian view. That's showing love. Again, Anastasia thinks there's a a monster in a room and she wakes up from a nightmare. Um, my knowledge about there's no monster in the room doesn't help her it just doesn't she's convinced she saw it, she felt it, she heard it, whatever you know her senses were that were working that made her think that there's something there and And what we need to do is show love. What we need to do is not convince them to our side about these things, but think about how my actions affect others and you know a younger person the lord you know we we don't want to turn them into this big do this and don't do this list sometimes you know we come to a new believer a newer believer and we feel like oh this is what you should do what you shouldn't do and you know we kind of train them in the list of this is what we shouldn't you know that's that's not it you know think what's best for them what's best for everybody show love Um, again you know if a person has a strong conviction about something, uh, we don't want them smothering the Holy Spirit in their life and say, oh, the Bible doesn't teach against that. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. But They have a strong conviction. Let's, let's acknowledge that, even though they are kind of more on the legalism side and they're you know, think they're more spiritual maybe about it or think it's better. We, we can just go along. Listen, we don't need to get in some big row about that. Teach against it. What we need to do is how it'll affect some somebody else. You know, we don't, we don't make way for the legalists that just want to tell us everything like that. No, those aren't the concern. But we do need to have concern for those that are really struggling and those that are really thinking in those areas and those that we know by our action or inaction or doing this or having this or going there or doing that on anything, how will that affect others? And if I consider that before anything I do, then out of love, will do the right thing. And Paul, at the end of the day, says, I'm just not going to do any of that stuff because I know there's some people it's going to affect, and it's better for me just to stay away from that 100%, not because I can't do it, but because I know it's better for some of those that would cause them to stumble that are weak, and it would cause all sorts of turmoil in their life and ruin the (coughs) conviction of the Holy Spirit, maybe, on some area that they have. So I'm just going to back off, and I'm not going to force my liberties down, but uh, I'm going to think about them in love. And to the legalists that want to tell you what to do, uh, you know, we're not worried about those guys. Obviously, we still want to act in love, but we don't allow them to influence us. But we do think about the weaker brother. And, um, you know, think of it this way. How would I feel if I saw such and such do this? You, You know? If they saw me in Knob Hill buying this little pint of wine, how will anybody that knows me feel if they saw that? Well, most some people will be all uptight about it. Well, I'm not really worried about them. But there are some people who struggle in that area, and if they saw that, it would be a real problem. So guess what? I'm just not going to go there. I'm not going to buy it. I'm never going to see me in Knob Hill buying that because it's just... I, I, I know there's people that it would cause them some real trouble in their hearts. So what do we do in love? You stay away from it. And that's the principle we have here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, a chapter a lot of times we maybe read over and not really think too much about, but it's very powerful in those areas of what the Bible, ta- what the Bible doesn't clearly talk about and how we make application to it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again for um, this, you know, these words, Lord. Um, there's so much to be, more to be said about this, certainly we could talk about um, you know, Acts chapter 23 and all those things that they instructed there, Lord, and how that influences this. And, um, you know, but Lord, at the end of the day, you know, help us to always consider others. Well, my action, even though I know it's nothing and I have the freedom and it doesn't bother me and I don't really have a conscience about this, Uh, How will that affect others around me? How will that influence them? You know, the ones that it could really cause to weaken. And Lord, help me and help us to have the love just to stay away from that because of that. And Lord, you know, when you speak to us and you're telling us this isn't right and this is wrong, Lord, help us to be those that obey that because you're speaking to us. And it doesn't matter what other people can do or not do or this or that, Lord, we can't base our actions on what other people uh, can do. We have to follow what you put in our hearts, Lord. And we need to, 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 to honor that and uh, not let others influence us either way, Lord. Um, we need to be um, obedient to what you are telling us in those areas. Because you know what's good for us. And some things you just don't want us to open those doors. It's just not good for us. And, but Lord, that's just us. We don't have to lay that on everybody else. Uh, it's what you have to do with us. And Lord, we just we, we want to honor and think of others as well, Lord. And so help us to be those people that show love because it will do nothing but build up your church and your people. And Lord, we never want to sin against you. And when we cause somebody weaker to waffle on something that they feel you know, you've put in their heart that this is wrong, um, then we sin against you. And we don't want to be those people, Father. So help us, Lord. You'll give us discernment. You'll lead and guide us. You'll teach us, Lord, and lead us by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that. And so we ask all these things in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen, Amen you guys. May the Lord bless your rest of your day.